This is Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of the Canadian Electricity Association. We feature discussions about the future of the business of electricity on this podcast and what the future transformations will mean for electricity companies, regulators, society, and customers. We also spotlight recent news and bring you different voices from the CEA team. On this special episode of the podcast, recorded in collaboration with CAMPUT, the Association of Canada's Energy and Utility Regulators, and the Canadian Gas Association, we focus on rate regulation of the electricity and gas businesses. I'm joined by a co-host once again on this podcast, Tim Egan of the Canadian Gas Association. Tim and I have a conversation with David Morton, the Chair and CEO of the British Columbia Utilities Commission. The conversation was recorded in early September 2019 at the Global Grid Forum in Vancouver, B.C. But before we get to the conversation with David, I'm joined on this podcast by Michael Powell, CEA's Director of Government Relations, to talk about recent news. Welcome back to the podcast, Michael. I'm glad to be back. So what have you seen in the news recently that's let's, caught your eye? Let's start here in Ottawa, where a company called Blue Wave AI has announced that they have received some money from the federal government to look at how AI can help utilities match their renewable needs to generation mix. The idea is that you place sensors throughout the system, and then you can figure out uh, exactly how much power you need and when and where to get it. They have a system in Summerside PEI that allowed them to automatically bulk buy power from New Brunswick, uh, recognizing where the renewables were coming and where the needs were going to be. And so who's funding this uh, this work? Well, so they've gotten money from uh, the government of Canada. They mm-hmm. have some partners in some local utilities, and there's venture capital as well. This is part of the AI revolution where big data is able to uh, change how we do things and basically automate decisions so that we can do it more efficiently and save the ratepayers money. Cool. What else have you well, stumbled across? I, you, I like talking about batteries, uh, and I think one of the I always try to find a, a cool new use for electric vehicles because I think that the the opportunities are, are much bigger there. So we'll start in Virginia, where a school district uh, is working with one of the local utilities to provide up to a thousand new school buses that will be all electric for moving kids around. There's obviously health and maintenance uh, oper- uh, benefits for the utility for that for the school district, I should say, for that that you use less in the way of of gas and less in the way of maintenance. But for the utility, they see this as an opportunity to have potentially a a, a huge ready-to-use battery to offset loss uh, and use it for load. The 1,000 buses will be able to provide five hours of power to 1,000 homes. Wow. Yeah. Any other any other uh, interesting uses of of, uh, of well, batteries recently? I think in the uh, well, yeah. In the so in the Hurricane Dorian, Hurricane Dorian knocked out um, more than four hundred thousand customers in in Nova Scotia. Uh, one gentleman in Halifax used his uh, electric car to power his fridge and freezer for the three days that he was out and kept them crispy cold. Uh, he had an inverter and uh, basically a, a very aftermarket. A jury rig system, which I think involved a pool noodle and some duct tape. Uh, so we're, we're probably not quite at the stage where this is a regular thing, but I think it's a reminder for the opportunities that it just doesn't have to be at a, a grid level that we can use large uh, you know, vehicle batteries to back things up. But there's opportunities for individual consumers too, and excep- exceptional circumstances like in the aftermath of a hurricane. So you found some good news out of Hurricane Dorian. I'm not going to say that, uh, but I think that it is a reminder that the fine people of Nova Scotia, as elsewhere, are 
uh, resilient in their own way and adapt when challenges are thrown at them. Fantastic. Michael, thank you for joining us to talk about the news once again. Thank you. And now let's turn to my discussion with Tim Egan of the Canadian Gas Association as we talk regulation with David Morton, the chair and CEO of the BCUC. So I'm here with Tim Egan from the Canadian Gas Association once again, uh, and we are joined by David Morton from the BCUC, the BC Utilities Commission. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Welcome back, Tim. So that we Thank get to you, Francis. We get to do this once again. Uh, so why don't we begin um, with uh, David? Maybe a description of what it is that uh, that your organization does. Give us a sense of kind of the 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 the, the mandate, the structure, the composite comp- composition, and some of the big issues that you're dealing with these days. Sure. Um, well, we're a, primarily a utility regulator. Uh, we regulate. Uh, our acts as uh, basically anybody that sells energy uh, in British Columbia, and they define that as uh, um, heat, uh, cold, uh, electricity. So we regulate electricity and natural gas, thermal utilities, which uh, uh, like a district heating system or a district cooling system. Okay. Uh, we also regulate uh, um, car insurance, a limited amount of car insurance. We have a, a provincially owned uh, car insurance corporation where we compulsory liability insurance portion. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I have about uh, roughly 55, 60 employees and 10 commissioners. Um, that's a number that's grown over the uh, over the last few years. I've been the C- chair and CEO now. Um, this is on towards the end of my fourth year. So I've grown the commission a, a fair amount since uh, uh, since I started because our mandate is, has expanded and our reg- the regulatory burden is is, is but our regulatory workload has, has increased uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, and one of the things that's contributed to that is uh, BC Hydro. Uh, mm-hmm. it was, there was a lot of uh, exemption from regulation for BC Hydro in, uh, uh, a few years ago, but right. now that's, that's changed uh, substantially. So we're getting a lot of, um, we, we, get, we get a lot of applications from various things from BC Hydro. So that's one of the things that's driving our workload. Um, over the last couple of years, we've also um, done a, a few pretty large inquiries for government. Uh, one inquiry was into Site C, um, which was called by the, uh, the, the our NDP government, which was elected a couple of years ago. One of the first things they did after they was, were elected um, was to ask us to do an inquiry into, into Site C to ask if there was an alternative energy portfolio that could deliver the benefits of Site C at, at, at the same or lesser cost. And that was, I believe, to fulfill mm-hmm. an election promise, or it was all fairly to an election promise right. that they made. Um, but that was a drop everything inquiry for us. We spent, uh, I personally, I think I worked 24 hours a day for, for three months, and, and it was the largest project we've ever undertaken at the, at the commission. Right. And um, we, and we did develop a portfolio that was ambiguous, actually, whether it was cheaper or not, given the given the uncertainties and costs and so on. So it was um, it wasn't a definitive report, which probably didn't please some people, but it was um, <laughs> it, I think it was fair and balanced. And uh, since then, we've uh, we've done an in- we're doing an inquiry into First Nations regulation and how First Nations utilities should be regulated. 
Um, and we just finished an inquiry into uh, the high price of gasoline and diesel in British Columbia. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's, uh, there was a perceived differential between BC and the rest of Canada. We found that, in fact, there was, and we delivered a report on that. So th those projects have, 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 have been um, time-consuming, resource-intensive uh, for us on top of an already busy regulatory schedule. In addition, um, I've, got, I've had some uh, important internal um, initiatives that I've taken on since I became uh, chair and CEO. Mm -hmm. um, when I started in this position, our, I, I, I've, I have an IT background and I've never seen, uh, I've never seen an IT an organization with an IT system as antiquated as ours. Um, I, you know, if you if you had asked me, um, you know, what companies do you regulate? Uh, um, you know, what's what's the names of their CEOs? Uh, what's what's the regulated rate base that you that you cover? Any question? I couldn't even make a Christmas card list. It was it, it was there was nothing. So we've uh, we've been working on um, um, enterprise uh, systems and, and you know, go to SharePoint and. Uh, a SharePoint and um, the name of the software escapes me, but anyway, um, an enterprise system to 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 better support um, all of our employees and, and our commissioners as, as they do their work. Mm -hmm. So that that's been a big initiative for us. And I also did um, a very fairly significant restructuring of the organization. It was very siloed when I when I began. We had a rates department, we had an engineering department, we had a, an economics department, and. They didn't really speak to each other. Applications, kind of, you know, any. any the thing is that there's no application that, that follows that that, right. that that taxonomy, so to speak. So mm -hmm. nothing ever fits exactly into one of those. So it was always difficult to get it staffed, and it was there was no communication between staff and the groups. Um, so I've I've restructured the place with a matrix organization so that we. Very own people only loosely report to their to their to, to the part of the hierarchy that they're in, and we have cross project teams that are that, that are really flexible, nimble, and, and reactive. And I'm really happy with the way that's worked out or is working out, and we've got a lot more internal communication going on. I think it shows in, in the way mm -hmm. that we're able to react to to, uh, uh, to various circumstances, like those reports, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was David, um, you speak to the quite a breadth of, of activity yeah. and, and topics you've yeah. had to address. Um, BC is often seen as being at the center of energy conversations in yeah. Canada. Energy is a big part of your focus. As you look at the situation in BC today, the kinds of things you've had to address, you start to look forward. What What's on the horizon for you? What are the big issues coming forward for economic regulation? Um, well, I think that... Um the, electri the electrification uh, goals uh, that our provincial government has set um, are, uh, uh, I think they're ambitious, but they're, they're probably achievable. I think we're fortunate in BC, uh, probably more fortunate. I mean, we heard today, for example, um, about the, the amount of clean energy that we have in Canada, and I think that's true. But I think that probably BC is ahead, <coughs> excuse me, ahead of even most other, most other provinces. Um, Just for the for the, for the listener, yeah. um, where we where we were so, today is, yes. the, is the Global Grid Forum exactly. um, here September 10th in in Vancouver. Yes, yeah. um, I think uh, north of 95 percent I think of our, of our energy far 
quite a bit more than that is is clean. Most of it is, is hydroelectric. Yeah. So we're not focusing on, on you know getting rid of coal and, and getting rid of even getting rid of natural gas power generation. Um, we've got a different we, our baseline is is, mm-hmm. is, is already um, uh, considerably different than it is in uh, certainly in America, most of America, and other parts of Canada. So we're probably well suited to, to for the next step, which is transportation electrification and industrial electrification, in particular uh, electrification of upstream, upstream uh, petroleum extraction, which is uh, which are the two main focuses of, of uh, government's electrification policy. But I, I think that that rolls off the tongue to say that uh, I, I still think that, that you know there's some challenges there. There's, as as we again at this conference, as we discussed, there's some challenges with rate structures and um, and challenges with, uh, with, with transmission system and, and our infrastructure. And those are some. I think those are some of the biggest challenges. So on on those on that challenge in particular on electrification, is there a role that the BCUC is going to play in that? Uh, yes, there is um, one example of that um, in, on the EV. <clears throat> excuse me, on the uh, electric uh, transportation, electric vehicle side. Yeah. We just um, we just finished an inquiry, this was one initiated by us, not by government, into the um, into how um, EV charging should be provided, the, how it should be regulated or whether it should be regulated. Our act um, requires anyone that sells energy in the province to be regulated. That, that's the way it's written. Um, so anyone that resells energy um, in an EV charger example is subject to our regulation mm-hmm. and uh, we'd already heard um, through the grapevine so to speak you know a number of concerns that have been raised that that because we're a big bad regulator apparently who knew but uh, <laughs> um, because of the fact that people would have to come to us uh, they were simply not not building charging stations that they would otherwise build right. so when we became aware of that then I, I initiated an inquiry and one of the recommendations of the inquiry was to forbear on regulation of uh, electric vehicle charging stations okay. unless you were an established electric uh, utility like Forest or BC Hydro because, and because of the issues of cross-subsidization and, and um, uh, market power that they would have, um, we have recommended um, a form of regulation for them. But anybody else that wants to set themselves up in the business or a Tesla, for example, mm-hmm. that, that provides uh, a network of charging stations, um, we recommended uh, exemption from the government, and government responded very quickly and provided that exemption. Is that, is that hard as a regulator to say, well, we're going to forbear? Um, my, my personal view is that, uh, is that although our act doesn't say this, or my personal, it, it, our act doesn't say that, that you should you should only regulate monopolistic uh, circumstances in monopolistic circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it, I would go as far as safety read between the lines. It does, but um, I, I do think that that was probably the intention of the act, and okay. and that's very much uh, our philosophy is, is to only regulate when necessary. In fact, we had um, we did an inquiry a number of years ago, uh, around 2011, 2012. Uh, called the AES Alternative Energy Services uh, inquiry. It was triggered by by Fortis and yeah. some natural gas services that right. they wanted to provide. And it turns out that these were these were actually competitive. Uh, it, it was no longer a monopoly situation, and, and 
So we kind of scratched our heads and said, well, why are we regulating mm -hmm. them? Right. So right. We, we had this inquiry, and the, and, and the result of the inquiry was, um, was a report that, 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 that laid out um, our philosophy, as it were, or our, our policy, I suppose, which says we should only regulate, um, only regulate when necessary, only when, when, there's no, when there's no competitive market there, and then, then we would be a proxy for competition. So no, I would say I don't have any problem with that. As, mm -hmm. as long as, as long as you demonstrate that, that those circumstances exist, and right. I think we should yeah. regulate. Can I just press you a little bit more on the electrification point? Because obviously that's, you're responding to, to a policy directive yeah. from the government. Um, fundamentally, what's behind that policy directive is, is a desire to drive down emissions. If the policy directive comes at you as, as seeming to advocate for a particular technological solution, how do you deal with other solutions that might come forward? For instance, renewable natural gas through the gas system delivering over a, a, a net zero emission scenario. Is that, how do you accommodate that as, as, as part of your analysis? Well, as part of our analysis, we, we, would, um, we would evaluate the, the economics of any solution and we would do it on a technology neutral basis. We would look at it on, on an economic basis, on the lowest cost basis. Um, that said, um, there, there may be circumstances where government dictates or, or right. prescribes that, that um, policy choice. Exactly. Yes. Right. In right. which case, you've got to respond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 One of the issues that we've talked to um, a couple of your your colleagues um, uh, in, in Camput about is regulatory sandboxes, um, you know, innovation sandboxes, uh, kind of emerging as as a trend. What's your view of of, uh, of regulatory sandboxes and uh, you know uh, and their use in, in spurring or, or piloting innovative projects or services? Well, so as far as the term itself goes, regulatory sandboxes. You know, as I understand it, it was, I think it was a term that came out of financial regulation in Britain, but um, it, it's a it's a formal um, it's a formal pr procedure or process. Where the intention is that it's only it, that it's only temporary, right. and so as such, we we we've, we've never done anything that we would formally call a, a sandbox. But that says that said, it has the characteristics of, of say a pilot project, and, and, and we've, we've done, done that. And I'll get to that in just a moment. And also, the the process that I just described, um, <coughs> excuse me, the EV. The EV report, where what we did was um, uh, recommended uh, limited exemption from regulation. Uh, that's, I, you know, I would say that also has characteristics of a, of a sandbox. Mm -hmm. In that, in that, if first of all the the nature of the exemption is, we ask that the exemption be put in place with the ability of us, us to lift it in circumstances where, you know, for whatever reason. It, if, if there's some unanticipated consequences or something we hadn't we hadn't looked at, so there is we do have the ability to, to lift it if, if that happens, um, and we've done that with other exemptions that we've recommended. So to some extent, that has some characteristics of a, of a sandbox, um, and and the other piece of that is that that really should be reviewed after after a number after a certain amount of time and. And be replaced not with an exemption, but a change in the act, so that that would be then going forward done more permanently, or as a result of a review 
it's maybe not a good idea, then, then the, ex the exemption is, is, is a temporary kind of measure, so then it, it, could, be, um, it could be removed. And as far as pilot projects go, we've, um, the, you mentioned, uh, Tim, the bio, uh, biogas, for example. Um, that was a, a program Fortis came, came to us with a few years ago, and, and they asked for a pilot project on biomethane, and, and we, we, we approved that. Um, and uh, as you know, this, the, the proposal was to sell notional biomethane in, in limited, right. um, limited mixes to, uh, to residential and small commercial customers. And then they've come back for renewals and various tweaks and changes to the program. Um, so that I'm thinking you would call it a pilot program anymore. You are, no, yeah. No, yeah. And at any point, that if, if those reviews hadn't been favorable, it would have presumably been, the program would have been terminated. Or if Fortis had wanted it to be terminated, it would have been terminated. So that would have had the right. characteristics of the sandbox. Right. You can almost apply the idea of regulatory sandbox to innovation as well, because we're, yes. you know, that's really yes. about innovation and regulatory process. But you can think about innovation in terms of new technologies exactly. and new yes. ideas as well. Uh, again, how uh, how do you feel you can respond to new innovations as they come forward in any of the any of the energy matters that you regulate? So I'm going to give you an answer that you might not expect, but uh, um, it's actually difficult for us to do that. I think it's it, it, it's a, the nature of, of, of what we do and, and how we do it and how we're and how we're supposed to do it. Um, uh, you know, if you read our act, um, generally speaking, applications that come before us, that they they have to have a hearing. That's right. what our act says. Right. You know, and a hearing is not something you just you know you, you do it tomorrow. Right. Because you know, there's another act, the administrative tribunal act, that you know, the, the, the body of common law that lays out right. goes on in a hearing, and it means that everybody gets to say and. Everybody gets to respond to everybody else, and so a hearing just doesn't happen locally. Mm -hmm. So I would like to be more, more nimble. That would, you know, that that would be that would be nice. But that's not, in some ways, that's not what we're here for. By saying that, I'm not saying that I that I agree that we shouldn't be more nimble. Mm -hmm. But we have to be creative, and we have to be very creative in, 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 in how we how we can, can test out new technology, and it, it can only be done, I think through innovation and regulatory processes. And that's the only way it can be done. There is one regulatory process that I think we pioneered, um, as far as I know we pioneered, and that's the streamlined review process that we, uh, we put in place a number of years ago. And it was an attempt to, to do exactly that, to, to shorten the time. I think if you can shorten the time of the regulatory process, then you can sit, then you can take a look at, at new things. New things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the uh, issues that we've discussed with uh, with uh, some of your colleagues as well is uh, is issues around uh, um, indigenous consultation and engagement and, uh, and accommodation and how they impact energy regulation. Um, um, is is this something that has been discussed uh, or something that's being worked on by the BCUC? Uh, yeah. Is it something that that is directly in your bailiwick, or is it? Well, it's huge. Yeah, it's a very big, it's a very big issue for us yeah. on a number of levels. Um, we we have to adjudicate on consultation, uh, especially with uh, applications from BC Hydro Crown or any Crown entity. Yeah. And now with the Clyde River decision, we uh, we may have to be part of the consultation process ourselves. So ah, okay. There's that there's that component right. of 
consultation. So is that is that is that going to be new in terms of a, in terms of, um, of the, the mandate of the BCUC that you you're actually going to be part of the consultation? We're still investigating that. It's a right. relatively new uh, it's a relatively new decision, and okay. I don't. Think I don't really know what the process changes are, right? I mean, it's tough to yeah. say at this yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, may have, at the end of the day, may have only applied to that on any proceeding. Okay. So we're still we're still looking at that. Um, we also uh, we've had um, well, we're involved in as, as I said, we have an inquiry that, that we've been directed by government to undertake into uh, the status of which. How should First Nations utilities be regulated, and what is a First Nations utility? Mm. Um, we've had, and that in part was precipitated by a First Nation that came to us with a, with a, a, a utility that they wanted to operate on their on their land. They had uh, land under the mm -hmm. Indian Act, um, and they wanted to, uh, they wanted to resell BC Hydro um, in, in their own distribution grid and right. resell electricity with BC Hydro. They, they had a propane grid that they wanted to for, wanted to uh, use for uh, for heat and cooking, and then there was a, uh, a water source heat pump that they wanted to use for um, I think domestic hot water and, and some heat mm -hmm. also. Yeah, mm -hmm. That was going to be in the ocean. So there's this cluster, these cluster of utilities. Right. They came to us not with an application to build them, but with an, uh, an application for an exemption. Right. Arguing, that ah, interesting. Yeah. arguing that they're a municipality because in our act municipalities are exempt from, from our act. Ah. We made a finding that they're not a that they're not a municipality because they're not by definition they're not a, not a municipality. Mm -hmm. We also denied an exemption um, on its own merits um, for, for a number of reasons. One, well, they had compared an exemption to a previous exemption that we provided for a company that was selling. Terms and the circumstances were different. So mm. I won't go into the details, but it, we did turn it down, and you know, perhaps it was the right decision, perhaps it wasn't. That's irrelevant. Uh, we turned it down, and, and I think that that's that probably provided the, that was a germination of, of, of this deeper dive into okay, well, what are we going to do about First Nation utilities? And not on, not only utilities are on, on, on First Nation, sorry, on Indian Act land. But also, we have a lot of treaty land, mm -hmm. in BC, yep. and we have a lot of uh, uh, land that's under treaty negotiation in BC. Right. And then we have a, we have a lot of First Nations that are IPPs that sell energy to right. uh, BC Hydro, and we have we have remote communities that are largely First Nations, mm -hmm. and, and so we have we have a, we have a lot of different instances of util kinds of utilities uh, that that are either owned by or First Nations partnering, and so this this uh, this inquiry that we have is, is fairly um, encompassing, and, and it, it's looking at all of these circumstances and looking at, at recommendations about whether they should be regulated, right. if they should be regulated, who they should be regulated by. And what's your expectation in terms of when the inquiry will wrap up? So when when should when should the listener be going over to the BCUC site and seeing? Because this sounds like it's going to be. Should go right now. There's uh, there's only. Uh, Our listeners are on your site all the time. Exactly. You know. <laughs> there? Yeah. Um, uh, we're we're putting out a draft report. Well, in terms of, of the uh, order and council that set up the inquiry, are that there's a um, draft report uh, December 31st and the final report.
before January 31st. Okay. So a great date for the draft report. So less than yeah. six months away. Yeah. 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 And uh, we have committed to our, uh, before we send the draft report to government, we've committed to sending the draft report out for comment um, by the end of Are you hearing from colleagues uh, elsewhere in Canada about this might be a groundbreaking uh, report? We've actually engaged, uh, we've engaged with our Canada colleagues on yeah. this because um, we, we've done a jurisdiction scan of the First yeah. Nations uh, regulation for First Nations utilities across right. Canada. Um, just expand on that a little bit about your engagement with your camp colleagues, because I think of some of the topics we've already discussed. Um, similar challenges, but obviously, uh, as you noted, the, the energy mixes will be different province to province, but similar challenges. Are, is there much engagement across the country about how to deal with some of these challenges around regulatory sandboxes or innovation or, or whatever else? Yeah, we do. We engage through. We engage in these issues through campfoot. Um, in my opinion, not as much as I think we, we could. Um, I'd like to see I'd like to see more of it because you know we, if if it wasn't for my Campbell colleagues and also my colleagues in Nauruk, our, mm -hmm. our right. sister right. organization in the U.S., I mean we'd be all alone. I mean they, you know yeah. there's really nobody else to turn to. Uh, yeah, uh, we have utilities, so we, you know, we can certainly talk to them, but you know they're not. You got to regulate them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, there's other regulators. There's you know, FICOM, financial regulators, the Securities Commission. But it, it's different. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Campbell is a great is a great resource. It's always a very um, You started off by noting that you came from IT. Yes. Um, and that's another area where I think there could probably be a lot of cooperation yes. across the across the country in IT. Yeah. Are there? Maybe you could just expand a little bit about about the interaction between IT and the regulatory field, and and you know apart from sort of the obvious updating some of the software that's needed in the offices, what what are the implications? Well, obviously there's cybersecurity. I mean that's that's top of, top of mind. Right. And I know it's probably possibly more top of mind in the electricity industry, but I think it, if it isn't, it should also be in the gas industry. It is very much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've got the same. You know, same kinds of control systems and pipelines. And, right. You know, As a result of that, actually, Tim's team and my team, we yeah. collaborate a yeah. lot on this. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. For that reason, but yes. yeah. Yeah. And is it is it a is it a topic between you and, and colleagues at Campbell and Nehru? Yes. How, how important is very, it? Exactly. And sort of your firm mood. Yeah. How bright a star is that? It's it's a very bright star. Yeah. yeah. It's a, you know it's one of these what keeps you awake. And right. Like, right. The thing is, is that. Everything's fine until it isn't. Until you wake up one morning and there's no, there's no electricity or there's a gas explosion or something like that. It's because, you know, it's because there's an, an attack, and, mm -hmm. and it's probably not going to happen on the balance of probabilities. But there's enough of a possibility that it's, you know, it's it's a big issue. Right. Right. Now we work with um, we work with NERC um, and 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 WEC. Yep. Um, they've, you know, they've, got, they've got mandatory liability standards and yes. standards that cover a lot of that, but that's only a limited, that's only a limited portion of yep. the puzzle. That's only a transmission system. Yes. A generation system. There's uh, distribution and, and there's back office too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's integration with all the other infrastructure across the exactly. country. Yeah. yeah. And the, I guess the other piece of IT is is the cost too. Um, 
First off, thank you for, for taking the time. But uh, close with the question that, uh, that we've been asking folks, and I, I asked Tim too, on one of the previous podcasts, uh, because it kind of gives us a bit of an insight into, into, into the, the people that, uh, that come onto the podcast. And that is, what's the book, uh, what are, or what are the books that, that you are reading what are the, what are the, that you think uh, other people should be taking a look at as well? well. I don't know if other people should, should <laughs> well, take a look at them, but uh, I, I, I usually have about three or four books on the go at a time. Yeah. And uh, so I'll just highlight a couple of books that I'm reading. Um, and this one, one is probably because of my IT background, but um, I, I, I find the story of um, Alan Turing, who is, uh, yeah. uh, you may know him, he, he was a famous code breaker during World War II. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, arguably developed the first computer, the process right. computer. I was at Blatchley Park last year when I was uh, visiting. Oh, very cool. Nice. Yeah, so there's a book, uh, there's, there's a book about Hot Number, I think it's Hot 16 in Blatchley Park, so that, that's a good one. Um, another book is in a completely different vein. Um, I'm fascinated by uh, mythology and myths that, um, uh, from a sociological perspective, the, myths, the common myths that, that people that peoples have. Mm-hmm. My dad was a minister. I'm not a particularly religious person, but my dad was a minister, and it was something that, that you know he pointed out to me is that the, the, the common the myths that are common to all religions and, and the myths that are common to various peoples in the world. Everybody has a flood story, for example. You know, so, yes. So yeah. there's a guy called Joseph Campbell who's who's one of the uh, um, one of the guys that. that it hasn't, well, he's dead now, but it has an encyclopedic knowledge of myths and oh, okay. uh, myths to live by and the, the myth of the warrior and so on. So I, I enjoy his books. Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, oh, okay. With a P. All right. David, I want to thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. Yeah, I really appreciate it, David. Thanks and, for your time. And once again, Tim, um, this is getting to be a bit of a habit, you and I getting together. And it's always a pleasure, Francis, and uh, and congratulations, Francis, Francis, because since our last podcast, you've become president of the Canadian Electricity Association, I, I, I so I want to congratulate you on that. Now we can we can go before various panels and be disagreeing with one another all the time, uh, <laughs> and I look forward to doing that. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Appreciate Thanks it. a lot. Thank Thanks, David. I'm Anna Santarim. I'm the Government Relations Officer at CEA. And let me tell you about a really exciting event that CEA is organizing prior to the 2019 federal elections. We were looking for a different and new idea for our election strategy 
and we came up with a debate series to talk about electrification. The debates will encourage an active discussion on electrification, and we, as the Canadian Electricity Association, should be leading the discussion on this important topic, not only with the government, but with key stakeholders in the electricity sector. This is going to be a cross-Canada event, and right now we have two locations confirmed, Vancouver and Ottawa. Although the main theme of the debate is electrification, each location will be focusing on a different aspect of electrification. The first debate will be happening in Vancouver next Monday, September 16th, and will be focusing on how electrification will affect buildings now and in the future. We chose this topic for Vancouver because of their Green City Action Plan and their dedication to addressing environmental challenges. Michael Powell, CEA's Government Relations Director, will be moderating the debate that will be featuring Stephen Wilson, he's the Director of Operations for Foresight, Ekwa Schwartz, she's the Vice President for the Canada Green Building Council, Tom Pierre, he's the Director for Buildings at the Pembina Institute, and Tyler Brandt, he's the Public Policy Manager for Fortis BC. The second debate will happen in Ottawa on September 26th and will be focusing on electrification of transportation. Fun fact is that we've selected the Queen Street Fair as the venue because it is the future home of the Parliament Station LRT stop. And this is timely because the LRT is set to open officially on Saturday, September 14th. Chena Pereira, CEA's VP of Policy, will be the moderator of the debate that will feature Kara Clareman, she's the President and CEO of Plug and Drive, Bruce Winchester, he's the Executive Director at Canadian Nat Natural Gas Vehicle Alliance, Joan Hayson, she's the Innovative Energy Market Chief at JL Richard and & Associates, and Christopher Roth, he's the Manager of Environmental Policy at Canada Post. We are very excited to launch the series and will be using this content for future podcasts, so make sure you tune in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Flux Capacitor, invite you to tune in for future discussions, and invite you to continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.